Welcome to Pursuing Justice. I'm Harriet Hendel. We've been talking about public art, specifically mural arts, Philadelphia. We've already met Jane Golden, founder and executive director of Mural Arts. This amazing organization is now in its 40th year. Turns out Philadelphia was voted best city in the USA for street art by USA Today. We have two guests who are with me on the podcast, Callie Silverman and Mark Strandquist. Callie is Senior Project Manager for Mural Arts, and I'm going to let her tell you about her role. Mark is an artist and the spark behind hashtag no kids in prison an outdoor exhibition in Philadelphia some months ago. Given we have only about a half hour today, let's focus on the link between mural arts and our justice system. Mark, why would you do an exhibit with this particular theme? And welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, It's an honor to join. Performing Statistics, which is the organization that I founded like a decade ago, our entire focus is looking to young folks in the juvenile justice system or young folks who have been impacted by the juvenile justice system as not, you know, what the media says or what certain politicians say as like, you know, the problems, the worst parts of our society, but actually as the best people to guide us towards a world where we are all free. Um, And No Kids in Prison is our traveling art exhibition where we look to young folks to tell us about not only what is wrong, what's going wrong, what's what's leading young folks into the system, but also what that future could look like where all young folks are supported, thriving, safe, and free. So in reality, we spent about like two years working with Mural Arts, working with a ton of different community partners, Juvenile Law Center, the Village of Rights and Humanities, um, Youth Arts Self-Empowerment Project, Care Not Control Campaign, and the Guild Program at, at Mural Arts to do all of these art workshops where we were talking about, you know, what is this future where all youth are free look like, sound like, smell like, and then working with artists across the country to take all of those beautiful ideas and poetry and visions and transform them into, we had did 15 billboards across the city that imagined that future. The whole idea was that one day in the spring of 2023, uh, which happened this May, Philadelphians would awaken and there would be billboards visualizing this future all across the city. There would be public art imagining this future across the city. And there would be a huge art installation, which was at Cherry Street Pier, which was 4,000 square feet. That was the No Kids in Prison exhibit. The whole point of the exhibit is that, you know, so much of the stories we hear about young folks dehumanize them, turn them into stereotypes um, on one end or just mere numbers and statistics on another. And that art and stories have a rare space where they can actually allow people to not only reflect their full, nuanced, complicated, amazing humanity, but to its art is one of the rare spaces where we can imagine a different way of living, a different way of working together, a different way of pursuing justice um, and all the things we do. So when you walked into Cherry Street Pier, the exhibit was kind of broken into three parts, the history and past of youth incarceration, where did the system come from? A middle space that was all interactive, virtual reality experiences that you would put on a headset and you would step into a jail cell, visiting booths where you pick up a phone and hear family members speaking to you about their experiences, videos made by young folks about the school to prison pipeline, Everything was interactive because we don't want audience members to to be able to keep their distance. These issues are affecting the young folks in our communities every single day. And we need to like step up and step into their shoes to really understand what their experiences are, 
whether those are traumas or dreams, to really understand what, not only what they need, but um, what we can do to support those. And the final section is the future that these young folks are dreaming of, filled with like beautiful images and videos and stories about what that future sounds like, looks like, feels like. And importantly, a ton of information for people to take action to actually make that future possible. So long way of saying that, you know, we live in a progressive city, but oftentimes we're seeing a reemergence of this, the very same racist tough on crime language that, that came about in the 80s and 90s during the war on drugs and the war on crime. And we want to use art to kind of combat those narratives, to create counter stories, counter narratives that young folks are in control of. You know, if politicians are, are making decisions about their lives and about their futures, we can use art, we can use stories, we can use technology to say that th this is our future and this is what we want it to be and this, will, this is what you need to do to like, get behind that. I have a question for you. At the exhibit, how, first of all, how long did that exhibit remain, the No Kids in Prison? It was up for two months and Ooh. we had thousands of people come through and the billboards, you know, are all over the city. So those are reaching, you know, tens of thousands of folks. And it's a huge honor to do this work with young folks and it's a huge responsibility. And if people are going to be vulnerable with their story, you know, I know you're hearing stories all the time and it's really important that we do whatever we can to ensure that not just the people that already agree with certain ideas see these exhibits, but that we're doing whatever we can to reach as broad an audience as possible. Right. Um, my question to you is, at the exhibit, were you able to get a reading in terms of the people's reaction to what yeah. they were seeing or hearing? Yeah. I mean, uh, that's super important to us. We want to know if everything we've done is, matters, right? And so we have young folks uh, running the exhibit, leading tours and, and talking to folks. And there's a pre-survey and a post-survey. And the numbers of, you know, when people finish the exhibit, they, they do this survey and they, how did this impact you? What are your beliefs now? And across the board, the stories that they heard are the most most powerful. And those stories are helping people see why prisons don't work, why young folks need alternatives to incarceration, more funding. So yes, deeply having a huge impact on everybody that's going through. A positive impact, right? Exactly. To be sure. All right. Wonderful. Well, I want to bring Callie into the discussion. Callie, what drew you to be part of Mural Arts Philadelphia? Yeah, what a great question. Thanks, Harriet, for having me. And I love I love being oh, able welcome. to work with Mark. We <laughs> met a few years ago back right in the middle of the COVID pandemic. Uh, Mark was covering the walls of Philadelphia with hope. And mm -hmm. I, ever since, I've been super inspired by the work that you've been doing. I came to Mural Arts similarly. I grew up in and around Philadelphia loving the public art here, loving the murals and mosaic and everything in between. And as I learned more, I understood that it's not just a pretty picture on a wall. It's really rooted in community and so much more about the process that it took to create that piece. So the artists involved, the community members involved, the community organizations involved, the networks that are created and and nurtured and grow because we can do art together. So even, you know, going back to the work that Mark and I have been doing recently with No Kids in Prison, not only having the youth of our re guild reentry program be a part of 
you know, this future dreaming, what, what would a future look like if all youth are free, but then actually working with artists to curate what, what that looks like, what that feels like, and what is that message they want to put into the world and then get to see it on a billboard. So I, I came to mural arts really from that community process. I'm a community development person, uh, really hoping to make people more involved and engaged in their neighborhoods and their communities in whatever way possible, right? In whatever thing that sparks their interest. And I actually started working on that on community projects, but then in 2020, actually learned more about the restor- our restorative justice program and the work that Jane and Robin Buseman started over 20 years ago, which I think you just heard about. And I've just been totally inspired and, I mean, it's changed my life, the the work that I've been able to do in, in the restorative justice department. I've learned so much and I, I hope I've only been able to contribute to that. So I actually am a senior project manager, but I'm also uh, the prison program manager. So for two years, I've been going up to uh, SCI Phoenix, the state correction institution up in Collegeville. We have an art room there and We have some of the most talented people I've ever met, most interested and engaged people I've ever met there. So they have been a part of producing murals all over the city. You know, there's all these hidden stories behind the murals, behind the public art. So, you know, they've actually been producing so many of those murals. I think over 50 murals around the city were actually painted by people who were incarcerated at the time. And not only does that give them something, they're they're super invested in the mural painting and the work, wanting to create something and put it out into the world. But we also really support their programming, um, their own personal development, their artistic development. And we're able to, you know, go in, support them, send in supplies. We're also able to bring out their artwork and sell their artwork. We have art sales throughout the year, as well as gallery exhibitions of their artwork. In December, we actually sold over $10,000 worth of their artwork at the Defender Association art sale, which we do every December in time for the holidays. And all of that money goes directly to the artists. So Though we are limited in some ways because they're currently incarcerated, we're able to you know, support them and support their families as well. Now, I wanted to ask you, uh, because I'm sure maybe it's a little confusing to listeners, how do the people in prison paint the murals that end up on the buildings since they can't exactly come out and do it personally, right? Yeah, it's a great question. So definitely, I highly recommend anyone listening to come and visit Philadelphia, come take a tour of our our murals. We have incredible tours of all of our all neighborhoods around Philadelphia. And what you'll learn is that we actually, you know, half the murals that you see on the walls were directly painted onto those walls, like you would kind of picture a mural being painted. And then we actually use a, a poly tab cloth or what we call parachute cloth or mural cloth that Uh, is just like a canvas that you can basically paint anywhere. (laughs) So um, we are able to paint in studio during the winter when it's cold. And we are also able to send those mural cloth panels into a prison, another facility. Uh, We send in paint, we send in brushes, every, all the supplies that they need. We bring in the artists to work with the artists who are currently incarcerated right now they're actually working on a huge mural of over 150 mural panels 
that is designed and co-produced by King Saladin. So King Saladin and his team came in for a few visits and are working with the guys inside to, you know, just inspire them. He's telling his story. They're telling their stories. Uh, they're sharing art. They're, you know, talking about real issues and, and that you know, affect them on a day-to-day basis. And they're talking about sneaker designs and, and what is possible, you know, when you get out. So we just love bringing any opportunity we can to our artists at, at Phoenix, especially. And we'd love to, you know, try to continue that in any way possible, obviously, with many restrictions as we go. But it's it's so important to us to, you know, continue that art education and, and support of those artists who are incarcerated. And the Department of Corrections, what's their take on what you're doing? They're big supporters. So um, actually, the mural arts program is a work program at SCI Phoenix. And that means that the artists are, you know, this is their their work. This is their, their job in the prison. They are there producing murals. They're also creating backdrops for the visitors' rooms, for, you know, family photos, and then, you know, they, they have some small projects within the facility that they work on as well. But we coordinate with the administration to obviously make sure everything goes through their, their security processes. And then, but we're also able to bring artwork out and, and sell their artwork. That whole thing is just so phenomenal that the Department of Corrections is a partner in a sense, right? And what I really find wonderful is that the tremendous talent inside our prisons, that they're being compensated. I think that's so great, really. And valued, you know, valued valued. as an artist. It's It's so powerful to even hear the value of art in prison without us around, right? Mm. The the artists there are asked to produce portraits of family members. They're asked to create birthday cards that are then sent out to family members. There's so many ways that art is a such a valuable and valued tool in prison. And then most people hopefully come home after prison and, and that art is valued less in our society um, outside. So we also run a, the Guild Reentry Program. So, you know, anyone who is involved in our program in the prison and then and so many more people are able to come use art as a, a tool in their reentry. Sounds good. So let's go back to Mark for a little bit. Mark, what motivated you to use your, obviously your your own talent as an artist in this particular way when you could have chosen any path? That's a good question. I mean, I think as a photographer, I think I was trained to document what was wrong with the world and try to, and thinking that that would be enough to witness would be enough. And I think I found through projects, doing documentary films, doing photo projects that have been in like New York Times and Guardian and and those sorts of places that that work is really important. But I think I was more excited about what happens when we not only witness what is wrong, but work collectively to imagine and try to literally build what's possible, what's actually uh, a better future. And, you know, I just want to name that like, I'm one of three directors at, at Performing Statistics and all of this work takes so many hands and that's the point, right? That like, this is not like the brilliant artist who, you know, comes in and tells, you know, it's it's about the, these projects are much more almost like a dinner party where <laughs> the work is really thinking about who needs to be in the room, right? To create this future we're dreaming of, 
we need lawyers and social workers and artists and folks who have been directly impacted by these systems and mentors and so many different people with so many different skill sets. And when we all come together and create these projects, not only do I think the art is more interesting, more useful, more powerful, but the relationships that Callie mentioned, the process, two years of working on these kinds of projects, young folks we were working with are connecting with so many different, different kinds of people, so many different kinds of mentors, so many different kinds of artists and activists and leaders. Um, and so the work really is like, you know, what happens along the way, not just what we produce. So to answer your question, you know, I think that I found that this was just the way that I felt like I could actually have an impact and, 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 and have my work feel useful and important and hopefully, you know, contribute to creating this future that the young folks are dreaming of. Oh, that's great. Also, I, I wanted you to talk about another project that you are involved with, People's Paper Co-op. What is that? So that's a project that I co-direct with my partner, Courtney Bowles um, and Faith Bartley at the Village of Arts and Humanities, which also has been happening for a decade. Uh, somehow decided to start two giant projects that have lasted uh, 10 years simultaneously. That's based in North Philly at the Village of Arts and Humanities, which is an incredible organization with decades of amazing work in a super divested neighborhood. And that project is currently all about looking to, to women who are coming home from prison and jails, which are the the fastest growing prison population in the country, and looking to them as leaders, looking to them as artists and abolitionists. And one of our biggest projects every year is, you know, these women have just come home and we have a paid fellowship uh, where they, they come together. We do all kinds of different workshops. Some of them are, are, are very internal facing that nobody ever sees and just about sort of building that community and, and supporting the women in our program. And some of them are very public, like our, our Mama's Day bailout campaign, where um, the women in our program work on photographs and poetry and, and all kinds of art that we then collaborate with artists from across the country and, and a ton locally to make these beautiful prints and billboards and um, wheat paste installations. And we sell the prints and t-shirts that the women make. And over the past four and a half years, we've raised $225,000, mm. all of which goes to pay for the bail that uh, black women and caregivers can't afford to pay to, to be free from Mother's Day. So it's an annual fundraiser every year in support of the Philadelphia Community Bail Fund's efforts to bail black mothers and caregivers out in time for Mother's Day to be home with their families and communities. So it's really like, it's literally like women who are just locked up freeing their sisters and, and friends and comrades. And, you know, like Hallie said, again, it's like that project in particular, it's in that spring fellowship, the journey is so powerful. The art obviously is for art to literally free somebody is, is it's so incredible to see, you know, we actually bring the art to the jail and create an art installation so that when the women are released, they don't see the empty bus stop that usually is there, but all of the sisters that help free them, beautiful banners printed huge uh, so that they're freed to a welcome home party by the very women that, that freed them. You know, and a lot of this is about like, you know, actually dealing with the, the issue in the moment, but also about, you know, visualizing that like the women in our communities and, and a lot of communities are the ones that are keeping our families, our neighborhoods, our communities together. Um, and when you incarcerate them, when you incarcerate anybody, you're incarcerating all of the people that they love and care for. But women in particular are, and caregivers are holding so much and holding so much together. And so uh, incarceration is destroying the very fabric 
of our nation, of our of our communities, of our families. And so a lot of the project is about naming naming the ways that that's happening and also visualizing what needs to happen instead. Um, so again, all the work is about the solutions that we really need to, to, to focus on. Right. Now, um, there's Mural Arts Philadelphia goes into SCI Phoenix, which is a men's maximum. Is there anything that's happening in a women's prison in the state of Pennsylvania? We were working up at uh, Riverside uh, CFCF last year, doing a mural there. Uh, We haven't been able to go back recently, but we're always trying and always looking to really widen our our reach. We did start a women's reentry program in 2021, and similarly, really focusing on the needs of women coming home and continue to. We are working with uh, another a women's wellness space where we have our studio. So we're, we're you know, continuously uh, developing programming that really fits and meets the needs of women coming home. Oh, so that's, that's great. Recently on the podcast, we had Tony Willis, who runs Ardella's House for Women. So this mm-hmm. is a nice tie into uh, the wonderful, wonderful work she's she's been doing for quite quite some time. Well, we are almost out of time. I I wonder if you each have a message for our listeners that you want to leave us with. Yeah. I mean, I know we're talking about like maybe adding some links to the artwork um, of the actual work. And I would just say, you know, spend some time, listen to these young folks. They're, they have such a beautiful vision for the world that, that will make it better for all of us. Um, And please just take time to listen. Sounds good. Yeah, and and I definitely agree with that. Support artists and support people that create art. I think art is something so powerful in our world and will only continue to be. I definitely keep an eye out for our, you know, continued work. We are uh, our next show, we're actually going to have a an exhibition of artwork at Paradigm Gallery in Philadelphia this March. Uh, that's going to be featuring artwork by our artists at SCI Phoenix, as well as artists from San Quentin um, in California. And we'll always be having our Barnes show in the summer. So keep an eye out for that as well. Also featuring our artists. You know, there's only so much we can do in actually freeing people and getting people out of prison. But the ability for us to bring incarcerated artists' artwork into the Barnes Foundation is like just one of the coolest little things we can do. And then, you know, hopefully it's just bringing more attention to them and their issues and their need for freedom. Sounds good to me. All right. So thank you so much, both of you, for being here. I encourage anyone coming to Philadelphia to check out the amazing murals all over the city. Thanks to the Innocence Project of Florida for sponsoring my podcast and to Jordan at the Pod Cabin for producing. Next time, we have a professor from Montclair State University in New Jersey, my alma mater, and she wrote a book called Smoke But No Fire, published in 2020. She'll be our guest next time on Pursuing Justice. Thanks for listening and join us next time.